Chapter Seventeen of the Night Side of New York by members of the New York Press. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mediums Some of the persons who come under the above heading pluralize their denomination into media, which is surprisingly correct Latin for people whose English is oftener ungrammatical than otherwise. For ourselves, we prefer to use the word in its English form, and shall continue to do so, even should a committee of pedagogues wait upon us with the information that alba is the plural form of the universally adopted word album. Well, then, the so-called mediums of New York City are so numerous and so widely distributed that a good-sized book, not to speak of a brief chapter, would hardly be equal to the dealing out of the justice that is due to them. We have no reason to doubt that there are many, many persons whose profession of the doctrine of spiritualism is sincere, for it would be far too sweeping an assertion to declare that all who believe in the new religion must necessarily be impostors. In its religious aspect, the subject is not one for treatment in these pages but in the wide field cleared by it for imposition and quackery of all sorts we see a corner for our night side and to this we shall confine ourselves the public at large know but little of the numerous seances held nightly in private circles for such bracing exercises as manifestations and tests there is more money spent upon delusions of this kind in new york than we should like to name a figure for numerous wealthy persons of jaded minds having in their pay impostors of the medium stripe who make large incomes by preying on the soft brains of the credulous to such circles as these admission is obtainable by special invitation only and as we have never yet had such a courtesy extended to us we shall furnish our readers with but one peep at a seance of the kind which was presented to us by one whom we shall designate by the initial N. The scene lies in a large and elegantly furnished mansion in a street not far from Madison Square. The time is about ten o'clock at night, and there are some fifty guests assembled to see and hear the wonderful performances of a young man who professes to have intercourse with the spirit world, and who is a protege of the master of the house most of the persons assembled are believers in spiritualism but among them are half a dozen skeptics who come to look sharp after humbug and are determined not to be imposed upon one end of the large drawing-room has been fitted up with a lecture desk and the lecturer of the evening is the protege of whom we have already spoken a young man of some five or six and twenty fair and delicate in complexion as a girl and wearing a slight blond moustache his lecture which consists of the commonplaces generally delivered by the itinerant professors of the occult science is spoken with a good show of earnestness also with a decidedly english accent the docking of the aspirator being as conspicuous in some words as their laying on is in others but the lecture is only a prologue to the entertainment the real feature of the evening is a performance on the cornet apiston for which purpose the lecturer announces that he has secured the aid of no less a familiar than the spirit of the late herr konig the arrangements for the performance were to be in this wise 
the lecturer was to be tied with a rope to the armchair in which he sat by a committee of three gentlemen selected from the party the cornet was to be placed on the floor at a distance of several feet from him and between him and the audience then the gas was to be shut entirely off the master of the house pledging himself that it should not be turned on again until the lecturer himself gave a preconcerted signal all this was done in order and to the satisfaction of the committee the instrument was then handed around for inspection it was a superb one of english manufacture richly mounted in silver but in no way differing as to make from the ordinary cornet when all was ready the lights were put out and after a minute of breathless expectation during which a pin might have been heard to fall the low dulcet cadence of the bridal waltzes one of koenig's most masterly pieces thrilled upon the assemblage with a sense akin to fear the tone and the execution were such as to leave no doubt on the minds of most of those present that the instrument was touched by no earthly lips ladies were sobbing in their pocket-handkerchiefs strong men were pale and felt a lifting tendency at the roots of their hair the strain ceased a low whistle was heard and in a moment the apartment was again in a blaze of light there sat the lecturer looking very much exhausted as one who had endured a terrible dream tied hand and foot he sat with every knot just where it had been put and every coil of the rope his wrists and ankles were blue with the strain and it was only after swallowing a draught of iced water that he recovered the use of his speech the excitement among the party was intense and n declares his belief that more than one young lady present would have married the bewitching medium on the spot if he had only given her the chance but n was not so well satisfied in his mind about the koenig performance as many of the young ladies and most of the old gentlemen were nevertheless he expressed such gratification with it that the gentlemen of the house invited him to attend a repetition of it which was to be given a few evenings after this invitation n gladly accepted meanwhile revolving in his mind some plan for testing the spiritual powers of the fascinating young medium who by and by protested that he never could blow so much as a single note upon the cornet when the evening of the performance arrived and managed as a skeptic to have himself put on the committee the cornet was handed round for inspection as before and n himself placed it on the floor at its proper distance from the medium the same delicious strains were heard as upon the previous evening the lights shone out again and n amid the murmurs of applause that arose from the assembly took the young medium by the hand as if to congratulate him and led him forward what was the astonishment of the spectators when they saw that the fair moustache of the fascinating young adventurer had turned to a jetty blackness and that he had something like a black tuft on his lower lip n cruel practical joker that he was had rubbed the mouthpiece of the cornet with a little moistened lamp-black which wholly accounted for the milk in the coconut and now drawing a small looking-glass from his pocket he held it before the performer who far from being abashed at his detection brazened the thing out and in an impromptu lecture attributed the affair to the intervention of evil spirits 
it might be supposed that the master of the house where this circumstance took place would have been disabused by it of any confidence in his chosen medium whom however he continued to maintain in blind faith for some time after until the fellow swindled him out of a large sum of money and decamped from the city this impostor was stated to have been a deserter from the band of some english regiment and he has since been seen in the orchestra of some theatre or circus on the western circuit playing upon the instrument which he handled with nearly the skill of a koenig so much for a seance among the spiritualists of the upper ten now let us take a turn among the professionals who do their spiritings after a fashion not quite so refined starting from a central part of broadway we take a turn westward which leads us in a short time to a street bearing a reputation the reverse of saintly this house a brick one of tolerably respectable appearance must be the one we are in search of for pasted on the window there is a printed slip containing the name of a certain family of mediums who profess to do strange things by the aid of spirits there is a man standing in the doorway and he ushers us into a small room on the ground floor where he requests us to seat ourselves and remain until the performance commences the room is very poorly furnished and on the walls there are three or four cheap lithographic portraits of the mediums who rent the place some eight or ten persons have already arrived and are seated about the room looking at each other with inquiring eyes some of them are women one young and comely the others elderly and plain there is a tall thin man of fifty with a frowsy beard a hollow chest and a very bad cough presently this man opens a conversation with another near him he says that he has been a member of many sects in his time and came to be an atheist at last but that the manifestations of spiritualism have lately convinced him that he has a soul he has gone through all the mysteries of table rapping and summoning spirits from the vasty deep and is in great conceit with himself about a luminous hand that appeared to him one night in his own house a hand with a hollow of light about it as he expresses it himself the good-looking young lady shudders at this and says she would not for the world see such things if she was alone a sceptical gentleman asks the one with the cough whether he had touched the luminous hand to see whether it was attached to an arm and that to a body he answers that he had not because he did not consider it safe to tamper with such things there is a provincial-looking man of the party who is much inclined to believe in spiritual agency although he has seen but little as yet of the wonders worked by the mediums he has been posting himself on the subject of necromancy and leisure domain and narrates several anecdotes about the hindu and chinese jugglers whose performances he thinks must be attributed to the aid of spirits we take the liberty of asking him whether he had ever witnessed the performances of herman or heller or any of the great professors of leisure domain who repudiate all connection with occult science he never had but he has no doubt that they work their wonders by spiritualism and deny it in order to enhance their dexterity with discussions such as these half an hour passes while some arrangements are going on in an adjoining room 
a few more people come dropping in but the party does not exceed sixteen at any time of the evening presently a thin sallow man comes in and going round to each person like the conductor in a horse-car collects the entrance fee which is no less than a dollar a head this done a sliding door is thrown open and the spectators are ushered into the next room where chairs have been placed for them in rows a rope is extended across the room in front of the chairs so as to keep a space clear for the operations of the mediums against the wall at the further end of this space there stands a tall cabinet somewhat like a wardrobe with two doors and lying about the floor are some musical instruments a guitar a violin a tambourine and a drum on looking at a printed program of the evening's exercises we find a promise that there will be good instrumental music at each seance the fulfilment of which is present in a young man with a fiddle who represents the orchestra only he sits with his face instead of his back to the audience he is a very pale youth with a sleepy eye a succulent expression of mouth and a fine thick crop of light hair his appearance does not indicate intellect but he is by no means such a fool as he looks as his interlocution with the audience and his ready repartee will shortly show the thin sallow man who calls himself a doctor and the proceeding in general a seance now makes a short address to the audience requesting them to select from their number a committee of two gentlemen and one lady the former to bind hand and foot to seats in the cabinet the two fraternal mediums whose sister also a medium is to have the same office performed upon her by the lady the three mediums now appeared upon the scene and ducking under the rope take their place upon the floor the two young men are dark-browed heavy-looking fellows of the bowery barkeeper stamp the lady medium is not a very fascinating person she is very untidy not to say dowdy as to her toilet and her hair which is cut in a short crop after a fashion common to women who have rights is frowsy and uncared for to do her justice she seems to be a little ashamed of the whole business and awaits her turn to be tied with a very sheepish air two respectable-looking gentlemen from the small audience consent to act on the committee and a well-dressed lady joins them and the tying commences as soon as the committee are satisfied that they have made the three mediums perfectly fast to their seats in the cabinet and rendered them powerless to move or assist each other the instruments of music are placed on the floor of the cabinet the doors of which are then bolted by the doctor who is the showman of the occasion the light is turned down to a low degree of dimness and the audience wait in breathless expectation for the manifestations to begin after a minute or so a fearful racket is heard within the mystic press there is a horrible twanging of the guitar accompanied by a din of drum tambourine and cymbals then a spirit hand holding one of the instruments is hurriedly thrust out of a little curtained window near the top of the cabinet and as hastily withdrawn for a spirit hand it seems to have a good deal of material dirt upon it 
and bears a curious resemblance so far as we can judge at a cursory glance to some of the hands that were tied with ropes just now the old gentleman who saw the luminous hand in his own house is rather discontented with this manifestation and inquires of the fiddler why the hands that appear from the window are not properly lighted up with a hollow for a reply to this the fiddler refers him to the doctor who states that the phenomena are apt to be intractable and various but that hollows have ere now been manifested through these same mediums while the subject of hands is up however the fiddler volunteers some statements respecting his experiences at these seances he says that a hand has reached out and deposited a tambourine on the head of a person standing at a distance of more than six feet from the cabinet don't that argue that we take larger forms upon ourselves when we go into the other world asked the man who was versed in hindu necromancy it argues that mediums are built on the principle of pharaoh's servants suggests the voice of a skeptic among the audience the doctor and the fiddler both cast very uneasy glances at this person who looks as if he didn't think much of the performance in a general way there are a few more manifestations all so clumsily executed that it is surprising how some twelve or fourteen of the persons there present seem to be impressed with them and actually ask for more a large business is done by the healing mediums and clairvoyants who have their nightly seances at various places in the city let us take a turn into one of them it is in a central quarter of the city we go up a flight of steps and enter a little boxed-off room where a young man asks us for ten cents having satisfied him with which magnificent sum he tells us to walk into the hall this is a long low room with close rows of chairs extending through the greater portion of its length in the clear space at the further end of the room there is a reading desk a poster on the wall containing certain rules of the place has a business air about it for it is signed by a president and contains allusions to an actuary there are already about fifty persons in the room when we enter and their number is soon increased probably to a hundred or more it is a very long while before symptoms of beginning the evening's exercises are displayed and murmurs of impatience are beginning to stir among the audience at last a man appears at the desk so suddenly that we almost think he must have emerged from beneath it he is a pale man with that druggy complexion common to those who compound the pills the potions and the bolus without delay he opens his address to the audience by stating that a celebrated lady medium is to address them to-night but that she is not yet under control which accounts for the delay then with a certain degree of fluency though in language occasionally ungrammatical the pale man proceeds to deliver a discourse upon the benefits of spiritualism in general but more particularly with regard to the miracles performed by it he reads the story of ananias and sapphira and says that these mendacious persons were struck down by the agency of spiritualism 
he expresses respect for the bible but thinks himself or any one of us quite capable of writing an addition to it and makes light of the prohibitory edict on that head in the course of his remarks he alludes in terms of glowing eulogy to a certain physician of this city one who made himself very conspicuous a few years ago by professing to cure disease by imposition of hands or imposition of some kind to this practitioner he accords powers equal to those accorded to certain saintly personages in the days of old he then refers to the probable arrival of asiatic cholera among us and this reminds him that he has a preventive for it which is warranted to cure the disease in every case if taken in time and which parties can obtain an application at this hall he offers to forfeit one hundred dollars for every failure to effect a cure that is if the physic has been taken in time mind he narrates a very thrilling story about the famous doctor who professes to cure by touching telling how he was once sent up to blackwell's island by his own brother that is to the lunatic asylum on blackwell's island and how he made his escape from that stronghold through the aid of spiritualism the spirits told him to saw through the window bars and he did it with a knife which seems rather bad for the vigilance of keepers at blackwell's island after a very long address interspersed with such anecdotes the druggy man says our lady medium is now under control and will address you on this an elderly female rises from her seat in the front row and walks into the space near the reading desk with her head very much thrown back when she faces the audience we perceive that her eyes are closed she raises her hands alternately to her brow withdrawing them suddenly with a downward motion as if wiping off perspiration or brushing insects away then she gives several convulsive jerks with her mouth which do not improve her attractiveness having done all which in a very low comedy manner she breaks out into a long and vapid discourse the sentiments contained in which are supposed of course to proceed from the spirits of whom she is only the mouthpiece or verbal agent it does not strike us that there is anything new in her arguments nor in her eloquence of a kind to entrance on which account we think we have had quite enough for our ten cents and we take our departure on our way out however certain things occur to us in the little boxed-up room there are several printed posters on the wall advertisements of various patent medicines of which it is not necessary that we should give the names we ask the young man at the door the name of the druggy man who has just addressed the meeting and observe that it coincides with that of the patentee of the medicines we are further informed that the druggy man is the president of the hall or institution or whatever it may be all this is very suggestive and some persons might be apt to think they smelt a rat in the business the young man at the door wonders that we are going away so soon and says that several other distinguished lady mediums have yet to address the meeting among them one to whom he rather airily and irreverently refers as frenchy 
and so taking things all together as we have described them you can form a pretty true idea of what nightly goes on in new york city for the entertainment of people who delight in manifestations end of chapter seventeen